once you know who the ideal customer is, you've created your service offering to suit what they need. You've created your pricing and your packaging to suit how they want to buy it. You've also created your processes of how you get them on board in the first place, what your relationship management is and how you service them, all to suit your ideal customer. Hello and welcome to Smart Online Marketing, where I chat to switched on entrepreneurs and experts to chat about smart strategies to build your business in a profitable and sustainable way. My name is Katie Griffin and I am in the digital marketing game. I specialize in Google ads and I've worked one-on-one with clients such as Showpose, Homework Law, and Snuggle Honey Kids. And I also have my own course teaching small businesses how to grow profitably using Google ads. If we haven't met before, I'm a kombucha-loving Real Housewives apologist alongside my love of all things pop culture, and yes, that does include the Kardashians. I'm a mum of two, a self-confessed hippie at heart with a love of all things business. On today's episode, I have the lovely Jess Osborne, who is a marketing coach, and she works with service-based business owners, teaching them how to create a profitable and enjoyable business that's founded on genuine marketing strategy. And she's really all about attracting the right customers with the right message and reducing those pesky admin tasks that just clog up your day. Jess is a really experienced marketer. She's an ex-corporate girl and she's founded two successful businesses. She's really focused on teaching how to identify your ideal customer and building a profile of someone that you want to work with. This is really important and something I also focus on when I'm working with clients and students on how to run successful and profitable Google Ads campaigns, because if you don't know who you're trying to target, it becomes really, really hard. In this episode, Jess and I talk about how to develop that ideal customer avatar and also how to pivot your messaging during this time of uncertainty. Jess also gives really great advice on going easy on yourself during this tumultuous time, especially when we've often got kids at home and we can't be as productive as we normally would like to be. So before we get stuck into it, I also wanted to let you know that I'm offering a free Google Ads video audit to anyone that is interested. You can go to sundaydigital.com.au forward slash review and I will deep dive into your ad account and check to see if there's anything that you could improve in there. It's totally sales and pitch free. I know that's really tricky at the moment and I'd love to help anyone that needs a little bit of advice when it comes to your existing Google Ads campaigns. So take me up on that and head to sundaydigital.com.au forward slash review. And now let's get stuck in. Here's Jess. All right, Jess, thank you so much for joining me today. Can you give everyone a bit of an overview on who you are and what sort of business you have? Yeah, sure. So, well, thank you for having me, Katie. It's um, really cool to be here chatting with you today. I am Jessica Osborne. I am a business coach. I specialize in marketing, marketing strategies for service-based businesses, mainly like helping them with their online business and their marketing strategy to really get those clients from a stranger all the way through to a customer and build really good, healthy relationships for lots of repeat business and and sales. So I do that online and I actually have a few different ways that I help people with one-to-one coaching. I've got a a mastermind group with a group of amazing women in there at the moment. And um, I've got a few online courses, so some that are big one and then I've got a few small ones and online masterclasses as well so 
lots and lots going on. And yeah, I just love it. I think my main mission is to help women, um, you know, be successful in their business. And I love helping as many women as I can. And so you have a business where you do coaching for other service-based businesses. How did you get into that? And how did you start? How long have you been doing Mm -hmm. that coaching? I started in 2017 and it was after I I've worked in marketing and corporate roles for over 20 years. That was my my previous life. And yeah, I guess it happens as with everything. When you make a big change, um, there's always a reason for it. And mine was when I had children. I went back to the corporate job after my first child and it was fine. And, you know, I still made that work and it was working really well. But coming back from the second child, I actually experienced what I call the maternal wall bias happening in the corporate company that I worked for, which is really not about my capacity as a mother, you know, working mum to still do my job, but they just felt that, I don't know, that for some reason now I have children that I'm not as capable as I was before. And it was, you know, a really interesting place to be because I was in a senior leadership role, head of marketing. And in their eyes, to do that role, you've got to be someone without kids and who's in the office full time, which isn't actually the case. And, you know, I'd already proven that it was possible to do it and there's still improved results without. But um, that's just something that I found it so common. And since I've been sharing that story with people, I've had so many women message me and say, tell me of, of similar experiences that they have had. And I think that that's a turning point for so many women is you have a great professional career and everything's going well. And and when you have children, sometimes the choice isn't made for you about what your career becomes. Um, you know, you're really given no no choice. So it's either to step down or, or people get made redundant or so many things. And that's when a lot of women start businesses. And that's certainly when I started my one, mainly because I, I wanted to take control back. I wanted to be in control of my day and my life and how I chose to work. And I also thought I can have so much more impact and give so much more value as a coach to other women in their businesses than I can as just an employee of one single company. So I made the shift and really, I guess you asked me in the beginning, so it's been a long story getting around to it, was how I did, how I got into it. I've kind of just taken what I did in my corporate job. So, you know, I was head of marketing communications My role was to build brands and businesses, launch businesses, you know, obviously create sales and market these big companies and small companies. But that's what I do. And now I do that, but I do that for women who own their own business. I coach them on what they can do and the strategies that they can implement to to have more success. And so they can create that business that has a really good fit of what it is that they're trying to achieve, but also that works well for them. And I think sometimes that's the key that so many people miss is when we go into business, we're not doing it to have a job. We're actually creating something that didn't exist before. We're working for ourselves. And most important thing to be happy is that it fits into your lifestyle, what you want your life to be. So I really help them to create a business where they're working the amount that they want to be working and they have time for doing all of the other things that are important with families and with friends and social life and even for themselves you know they have time to go to the gym and all of this stuff and they've still got a successful business that is bringing in the revenue 
and even more than what they had set out to achieve. I think what you said about, you know, the culture of workplace where, and that was only, what, 2017, so that's not that long ago. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's changed in the last three years or do you think that women are still finding it really difficult to go back to the workforce after having kids and being treated differently than they were prior to becoming a mum? I think it's still very prevalent. You know, every time I share a bit of my story, I have people contacting me and telling me about what's happening with them. And it's just amazing how widespread it is. And the funny thing is that I think we all feel at the time that it must be something wrong with us, that it's because of us that they don't have a belief that we can do it. And it becomes a very personal thing. And I think 99% of women take it 100% personally that it means that they must not be as capable as they thought they were or, you know, you really take that on yourself. But my message to everyone who this has happened to is it is not you. It is 100% not you. There is just an amazing unspoken and really unrecognised bias in our society that once a woman becomes a mother, she has to choose between family or career you know, that half her brain is missing or that she's she can't focus because she's got all the stuff happening with the kids, when actually it's like the dead opposite is true. Most women love the prospect of going back to work. They want to break from the childcare. And, you know, as long as their child has been cared for by a relative or at a daycare centre or wherever that is, they are 100% focused. They are extremely productive because they have learnt how to react quickly, how to multitask and how to get things done as fast as possible. And my, as a leader and a manager, my best staff always were working mums. And even though they work part-time, they used to get so much more done than my full-time staff members. And I would hire one in an instant, but unfortunately, the same is not true of a lot of leaders, given that in Australia, you know, the numbers are still there. They're most of the people in executive senior leadership roles across the board are men. There's very few women in in C-level positions and, and certainly in board positions, even fewer. And that I think we've still got a long way to go in bringing about that change in our society and even just that belief in women's capabilities. So I'm setting out, you know, I started this business when I gave birth to my second child. So I was actually in hospital still, like one day after giving birth, I pushed the button on starting this one. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to show just what someone can do when you've got a toddler at home and you've got a brand new baby. I'm going to prove it. I'm going to prove it to myself, but I'm going to prove it to everybody else as well. And I want that message to be out there you know, for other women that it's 100% possible, you know, don't take it as a a knock to your confidence of what's happened. That is just some prejudice that exists in our society. We can change it. Believe in yourself because you can 100% do it. It's certainly not you that was the problem. I love that. And I hear from so many of my friends as well in a similar situation that also not only are they working part-time and working their ass off, but they're also getting paid a part-time wage for getting the amount of productivity done that they would be, they're still expected to perform at a full-time capacity, mm-hmm. but they're only getting the remuneration for a half, like a part-time capacity. Yeah. So I think there's just a lack of understanding about part-time work and also, yeah, women returning from mat leave in the workforce needs so much work. Like it's nowhere near something that we have conquered yet. But I love the fact that you champion women to say you can do this and it's got nothing to do with you. Like that's so fantastic. And I think it's probably pretty pertinent right now in that 
a lot of mums are at home and they are trying to still manage a business while they've got young kids or school-age kids and they're trying to fit in the homeschooling and they're trying to get everything done right at this time. It's We could never have planned for this. <laughs> so has your advice shifted during this time where it's like, because one of my things I find is I beat myself up if I'm not as productive as I want to be or if I can't get as much done as I want to get. But the reality is I've got two young kids and there's limited options on when I'm going to be able to work at the moment. And I know you're in the same boat. So how are you kind of getting around having young kids and still trying to grow and build your business in this time of uncertainty? Yeah, it's such a good question. And I think that we often beat ourselves up about, you know, we need to be doing more with the kids and we need to be doing more, you know, with our partners and with our business. There's, you know, when you have a business, there's a never ending to-do list. It's never going to stop. And I think that this for me is really taking on that that mindset of what balance actually means. And it's figuring out how everything, all these pieces fit into your life and the knowledge that none of them are ever going to be at 100% because you can't have 100% of everything. So for me, you know, something that I help my clients do is figure out, okay, well, how much working time can you fit in a week? And let's put in the stuff that's really important. Let's put in the time with the kids. Let's put in the time with husband. Let's put in your exercise and the stuff that makes you happy because you need those things to survive. You can last a couple of weeks, you know, where you you give it a miss or maybe you deprioritize it. But in the long term, to actually feel happy and confident in your life, you need to have all those things in place. So, I get them to put those stuff in first. They're the non-negotiables. And then the work fits in around it. And then we see, you know, what time is left. And sleep is 100% in there for me. I get That comes in first. It has to be, you know, you need to be getting your sleep because otherwise you're not functioning anyway, doing any of those things. So it's about putting that in. And once you have your hours and you, you know when your work time is and when your time with kids are, I think that the the stress and the expectation that you put on yourself is so much more reduced because you've given yourself those time blocks. You're like, no, this is okay because this is my working time that I allocated to myself or this is my time with my kids. So I'm not going to feel guilty about all the stuff I need to be doing in my business. Yes, that's there. But, you know, we've got to go with what we can manage. We're all human. And I think that we just need to give ourselves a real big break. And we might have had to adjust those timings in this current climate because we've got the kids at home. Um, They're not at school or daycare for a solid amount of time. So, you know, we've just got to sit down and and think about it and think, well, what can I practically achieve? Like when are the times where I need to be there for the kids? When are the times that I could, you know, yes, I could stick them in front of a movie and get an hour or so's work done and not feel guilty about it as well. Because, you know, we've all got to flex a bit. You know, you'll be giving your kids a bit more screen time than you probably want to at the moment. But that's because you've also got a business to run and the priorities have got to balance out. So, you know, you want to have a business, you want to be bringing in that revenue and the income and, you know, the kids, they're part of the beneficiaries of that. So, you know, having that screen time a little bit more, this is a short term thing. You know, we will come out of it. We might have to put our kids in rehab from screen time addiction, but, you know, we'll get there. I think we will get there and we'll we'll deal with that when we need to. So it's like for me, one step at a time, one day at a time, you know, allocate what you need to get done and don't feel guilty of the other stuff that's sitting in your mind as a to-do. 
I love that because it can be really easy to fall into that. Oh God, like I feel so guilty. You know, our resources are limited and our capacity to work, we have to kind of squeeze in when we can. Mm. I think one of my things that I struggle with, and I'm interested to hear if you find the same thing is that like working for me is my passion and I love it so much. So then switching off when I turn into mum mode with the kids can be hard sometimes because you've got your brain in two separate places. How do you come up with the distinction between like home Jess and work Jess, especially if you do work from home, there's no clear delineation between those two places. Mm. That is a really good question. And I think, you know, I'm really, really honest. My brain never fully switches off from my work. I'll be out playing with the kids and I'll have like, you know, blog posts running through my head that I'm like, oh, that sounds fantastic. I need to write it down. I never write it down. And when I come to write it down, I can never quite remember exactly what sounded so awesome. You need to write it down. (laughs) It's just like, but I've just got to let go of that. I've got to like not be too hard on myself and just think that's okay. You know, if I can make it happen when I'm in the flow and the words are there, if I can sit down and write, then I will. But, you know, as well, I, I try to be there for the kids and try to give them some real focus time where I'm not sort of on my phone or disengaged. So I'll, I'll actually leave my phone. I might leave it inside and go out with them. You know, if it's not there, I can't be distracted by it. And I think that when it is there and in your pocket, you'll tend to be looking at it or you'll be like, oh, just, um, you know, I'll go on Instagram or I'll start writing this post or I'll respond to someone in a group. Um, there's never any end of that stuff that you can be doing on uh, just on the fly. And yeah, I think it's just about being a bit more disciplined with yourself and going, no, this is my time with my kids. I'm putting the phone down. It's on silent and I'm not going to look at it for the next hour. And, you know, you'll feel good about doing that as well, because obviously it's one of your priorities and something that's important to you is to to be there and to be doing that mum time with the kids. So. Yeah, I'd just say remove the temptation. (laughs) And that's what I do. I think that's such a great tip because I'm someone that if I see something, I need to action it. But if I can't see it, it's I don't know about it. So there's nothing that I need to do. So I, from the very beginning, because I do struggle with that, those boundaries of having, because I love to work, but I also want to spend so much time with my kids and that they're competing kind of goals. So what I do is from the start of the business, I don't have emails, I don't have Facebook notifications, Instagram notifications, they're all turned off on my phone. And I only check them when I've got the space and time to do it. And I'm not doing it when I'm meant to be playing with my kids. So, and I find that is such a huge thing for me. Otherwise, I really struggle to yeah. uh, switch off completely. Not the, like you said, you never do completely, but be present and make sure that you're not constantly on on your emails or or doing something else because you're right you've always got new ideas and you've always got new things you want to achieve and and that can be really really tricky sometimes because you don't have enough hours in the day to do it all mm, definitely and I think like one of the other ones that just made me think when you were talking there was way back when I I first you know in corporate and I was managing a team life is busy and I stopped then from being precious about my inbox and if emails don't get read they don't get read and I don't go through and manage and delete them all I'll scan it to see what ones I need to action but I have thousands I probably shouldn't tell you how many thousands of unread emails in my inbox but it's close to 20 um <laughs> And wow. They, I just, it does not bother me though. And the reason being is that, you know, I learned way back then was I action the stuff that's important. The stuff that's not important, 
it's not going to matter if I don't do it. The world isn't going to end. Nothing's actually going to happen. I need to be focused on the things that are the top priorities, the stuff that matter, the people that matter. And those things, if it was something important, they will get back in contact with me again if I haven't responded. And otherwise, it's going to sit there. One day I might go through and delete a few thousand emails at a time of unread ones. But, you know, it doesn't mean anything. Like they're just sitting there and I don't let it stress me. And I know that's something that can stress people out a lot. But to be honest, when you have limited time, you know, managing your inbox is something that is a way, way, way down a priority list. I would be looking at, you know, your clients, your existing clients and servicing them and, you know, obviously revenue generating activities. So whether it's getting on new clients, your marketing, 100% more important than managing your inbox and doing the admin, you know, make sure that your things are in priority of importance and, you know, get rid of or downgrade the ones that that aren't as important. And, you know, or maybe say I'll set aside an hour once a week and I'll just do a quick inbox cleanup if you're one of the people that needs to have no unread emails. (laughs) And I think that's great because it can often be really the easier task to do those ad mini Mm -hmm. kind of finicky tasks because you don't require as much brain power. And so you're like, oh, I'm still getting stuff done, but you're not necessarily being productive or moving the business forward. Mm -hmm. And I get stuck in that. I find myself like I give myself dedicated time to check my inbox. Otherwise, you see a notification, you answer it, you see a notification, and suddenly you haven't actually carved out time to do the real work to push that business forward. Mm -hmm. So how do you, when it comes to coaching your clients, how do you encourage them to start structuring their work day so they do have some sort of clarity or some sort of process to that? Yeah. So um, exactly like that. So when you are fresh in the morning, that's often when you want to tick off your big ticket items. So I don't recommend starting with, you know, things that are a bit more brainless, like the inbox or even even like creating graphics and posts for social media, like that is stuff that you can do when you're a little bit brain dead after dinner, like you don't need to put loads and loads of thought into it. You know, attack those big ones. So you might have... What I advise them to do is have three tasks for a day. So just three. There's obviously a massive to-do list that's way longer than three. But you say, these are my three critical tasks. You start with those and you get them done. And then whatever you have time for after that, then you fit in. But it's always in that priority of like existing customers first, providing that service because they're the ones who are currently paying you getting new customers in. So anything that's to do with your, your marketing and your customer journey and helping that process to move people through and to buy from you, that is second. Third would be, you know, at the top of the funnel, like building your audience, creating content, building your reputation. So, you know, I get them to look at that in priority because that is what is the priority for having a business that is successful and generating revenue. If you're spending always prioritizing your admin tasks, you're just doing the administration of a business, but you're not going to have a business to administrate if you are focusing on that. I love that. Do you have any tools or anything you recommend that you use to facilitate that planning? Do you use any planners or any online tools that you can recommend? I do use Asana, but to be perfectly honest, I think because I'm not that kind of real admin-y focused sort of person, I will tend to just write down my three tasks on my pad on my planner. So I pick up a pen, I write them down, they're right there next to me and I take them off as they get done. So I think when you use the online tools, I find it really good for 
brain dumping a lot of stuff that's in my head like, oh, I need to do that, oh, I should do that. And it's things that you know you might end up with 50,000 tabs open on your browser because you're jumping between them, but they can get lost and buried. So having them in Asana means that there's a to-do list that is there, it's accessible, it doesn't get lost in a folder and you can kind of move through them, you can prioritize them, you can tick them off. But um, I still think the most effective for just on a daily basis is just to go right down your top three on a pad and then that's there and that's sort of like you tick them off or cross them out when you're done. But don't go and write a whole to-do list page. You know, I think that that's it's good if you need to get them out of your head, but then you need to identify what are your top three and that's what you give yourself the goal to do. Yeah. There's a couple of planners that I'm experimenting with to help with that, the full focus planner and Brennan Bouchard has also a daily planner as well, because I'm like you, I prefer paper and pen Mm. and then Asana for kind of my brain dumping and organizing and prioritizing. Mm. So I think, but I think nothing beats just writing them down, (laughs) kind of getting them out on the paper. Yeah. You do a lot of work with your clients and also for yourself on like your ideal customer and really identifying who that ideal customer is that you can message and market to them effectively. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that and the process you use to kind of work out who exactly you want to be marketing to? Yeah, sure. This is one of my favorite topics. So I always love talking about this. Yes. And I think it's something a lot of people struggle with. Now, an ideal customer is exactly that. It is the one who is ideal for you. It doesn't mean that it is the only customer or that that is the only one who's going to buy. That's not what it's about. It's about having marketing that has a lot more cut through and a lot higher conversions and better engagement. And it's because you are being really, really specific in who you're talking to and what you're saying so that the person reading it is thinking, wow, you have just read my mind. You understand exactly what I am going through right now. You know, like this person clearly knows and they are the one for me. So that's what you want them to be thinking. And you can't do that if you're writing really generalist copy because you're trying to appeal to a really broad range of people. So what I coach people on is that when you identify, we need to niche down and have an ideal customer. And they're the ones that you would choose to sell to every time if you could. Of course, you're never going to always have all of your ideal customer, but the more of your ideal one that you have, the better it is for your business. Because once you know who the ideal customer is, you've created your service offering to suit what they need. You've created your pricing and your packaging to suit how they want to buy it. You've also created your processes of how you get them on board in the first place, what your relationship management is and how you service them all to suit your ideal customer. So if you're not starting off with an ideal customer, you're just making this up based on probably your own preferences, but your business isn't there for you. Your business is there for your customers. So it really needs to be switched around and looked at from the perspective of your ideal customer. And that's why that is the first thing that we start with, with all of my clients, with all of our strategy development. Obviously, once we confirm what it is that they're selling, which they hopefully already all know, we get into who the ideal customer is and really, really deep dive. And what I find out there, you know, some people come to me and they say, oh, I've already done that. I already have a customer avatar. I'll be like, okay, that's cool. Like, let's have a look at it. And, you know, it might say something like, oh, it's a woman who lives in Australia and has two kids and 
as you know they like this and that and I'm like okay so that's a very very broad you know section of society you know what are they thinking what are they feeling why do they need this what is the outcome that they want it's the psychological side of developing your ideal customer that actually gives you one that you can turn into effective marketing copy and that you can really understand how you need to service them so I guess what I find is most people do not go deep enough. They don't know the right questions to ask. And a really key one is even, you know, where is this ideal customer in the terms of their whole buying process? Like, you know, do do they even know that they have a problem in the first place? Or do they know they have the problem, but they don't know what the solutions might be, or they don't really have an idea of what the outcome might be? And, you know, it's such a huge spectrum of where people might be on this knowledge, I call it a knowledge scale. So I I drew up a little um, graph where they start off in the oblivious corner and you want to get them into the educated corner where they know what their problem is, they know what the solutions are. That is where you're selling to them. You can't sell to an oblivious person because they don't even recognize they've got a problem yet. They're not looking for solutions. So if you're putting your solution in front of them, they're not interested because they don't even think it's relevant to them. You might know that it is, but they don't know that. So you've got to, if they're your ideal clients, you've got to start off with educating them. And so you see how even just that small understanding of what they know, what they don't know, where they are on that spectrum, it dictates everything about how you market and how you present your business and what you're saying to them. Because with some people, you've got to take them on a whole journey of discovery (laughs) through understanding what their problem is understanding that there are solutions out there, there's a different future they could have if they choose to act and then what those options are for them to get there. So you can take them from where they are now to, you know, the ideal future. So yes, I guess my uh, synopsis on why it's so important to get into it. Yeah. And I think that the pushback or the trouble with that is you can feel a bit silly getting so deep and you, you know, it feels very fictionalized to come up with this person and you think, well, I don't know where they are in the buying cycle. I don't know where they hang out online. I don't know which Facebook groups they're part of and I can't go deep enough and then they abandon it altogether. Do you have any resources or help that someone could use to be able to walk them through that process of developing that ICA? Yeah, I do actually. So I do have a, my worksheet is available as a free download on my website. So anyone's, you know, welcome to go and grab that and, and work through the questions. I do have a really short, it's a 90 minute online masterclass as well that where you can actually get me talking you through a bit more of what the questions are and what they mean. Because I think sometimes, like I understand what the questions are, given that I've got a big marketing background and a lot of people who have that experience would understand. But If you've come from a different sort of background, you might not know, why am I asking, are they a detail person or a creative person? What does that even mean? And so in the masterclass, I explain, you know, that generally people are either a detailed sort of scientific brain type of person, or they're a big picture creative. And that, that means that how you talk to them is totally different. So the detail person, they want facts, they want figures, they want the detail, they're going to need to know what the process is. The big picture dreamer, not so interested in all the detail. They want the vision. They want the like, this is what I'm going to get. Like, sell me the vision, the future. And, you know, give me a little bit of the how I get there, but the how isn't so important to them. So it's like, it's that stuff that I talk through in the masterclass. And 
then get into even how you turn this into marketing messages. So they're really the two main resources that I have that are really easy for you to just go and grab off my website. And then, of course, this is stuff that I do in my, I've got a marketing course called Business Jam that um, goes into this in a lot more detail. So, you know, we definitely do the ideal customer, but then we start into how you are pricing your offering to suit that customer and how you build out your marketing funnel to attract them in the first place and then take them through the no like trust stages to become a client. So yeah, there's a few different ways I guess you could access that help. And depending on whether you're a DIYer, you know what you need, you might just want the questions to go through or whether you want something that's a lot more supported, like the the online course where I have a a Facebook group and you can ask questions and and get a lot more feedback. So yes, I guess the resources. But the one thing I'd say to people is as well, don't be afraid to just create your first, you're not going to know everything, like 100% know it. It's never going to be something that's set in stone. You create it and it's always evolving. So when I started this business, my first ideal customer was very, very much based on myself and very similar to me and people who I was engaging with at the time in Facebook groups. And it's evolved from there. As I've worked with people, as I've found out, well, I really loved working with that person or I got such good results with this type of business. And I've also figured out who is not my ideal customer through that as well. So I think it's an equally important question to ask yourself, well, who do I not want to work with? Because you might be able to answer that better than answering the question of who you do want to work with. And often, you know, forget about the profiling first. You want to start off with envisaging how your working day and working week is going to go. Like, how do you want to operate? Who are the type of people who you're going to engage with and you know that you're going to have a good relationship with? What knowledge and experience do you have already? So what industries have you worked in before? Because anyone that you understand them or their business, um, you know, if it's a business you're selling to or maybe a person, the more you understand about them, obviously the easier it's going to be for you to develop your avatar, but you also have a lot more value to give them because of that understanding. So I always recommend, you know, you kind of start off with, well, what do I already know? Who do I know? So for an example, if you say like an accountant might say, well, I'm an accountant, I can do accounting for any business. I'll be like, okay, well, let's start off with what size of business do you want to work with? Do you want to work with a one person business, a business with a team, a big corporate, because they're all going to work really, really differently. They're going to have different expectations of how to buy your services, different expectations of what you do for them, different expectations of the relationship and even just how you collaborate and the value. So you really got to put yourself in those different scenarios and imagine what it's like and go with what you feel is the best match for you. So, you know, when I was starting this coaching business, I was working from home and I had a young baby and I thought, well, doing face-to-face coaching will be difficult for me because I would be having to commit to meetings at times ahead of time. And I might not know if I could make it work because of the baby who's going to be a little bit up and down with sleeping and what have you. But if I'm at home, that makes life so much easier because I can get her asleep. You know, there's options. I've got ways that I can make it work. So I chose to target, you know, other mums who would be very, very much in the same boat as me. So we had a really similar, you know, just understanding of what our lives are like. And it wouldn't matter if a toddler made a quick appearance and then (laughs) disappeared again. But also people who also wanted to do it online because it suited them. 
So, you know, it's kind of about understanding a lot about yourself and what you want and what works well for you. And then also what on the other side is what they want and what's going to work well for them. And in that way, you can kind of come together and create this, you know, perception of what your ideal customer is like. And then you start deep diving into creating your avatar. So you kind of start off with a bit of a broader idea of, you know, the type of person or what would make them ideal in the beginning, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And I think at the start, it can be hard because you're like, I'll take anyone that can work with me. You know, I'll go with anyone. And then as you start to evolve and solidify your business, you then can become, if you're in a very privileged position, you can become pickier with who you want to work with and that suits your business. Before we finish up today, I want to talk about right now, pivoting your messaging. Do you think that businesses do need to pivot their marketing messaging during this time of COVID? And how can we do that? Yes. So look, this is the question that I guess it always depends a little bit on what your messaging was before. And if it's something that would feel like it's really grating at this point in time. So, you know, if your messaging was about, um, you know, now's the time to act and it's not relevant to our situation now, then yes, absolutely. You need to change it. You know, I think, again, just being able to conceptualize what your audience is thinking and feeling and what their challenges are, like what has changed for them since we're in isolation? What are they afraid of? What are they struggling with? And what are the challenges? And what would they feel is speaking to them? And what would they feel is just being completely oblivious or tone deaf? So, yes, we need to you know, not change everything, especially if you're still able to operate, maybe a lot of your messaging is still completely relevant because you're still able to help people in the same way you were before. That's certainly the case in my business and in yours as well. We work online anyway. You know, we don't have to change what we're offering, but we might be more aware of how we're talking to people about it and also thinking about what we're saying so that we're showing that we're understanding of you know, what people might be wanting or feeling or needing at this time and that we are aware of it and we are all in this together. So you kind of, you want to make people feel like you're in tune with them. You're in tune with how they're thinking and feeling. So that is really something you're going to have to do when you look at who your ideal customer is and what their situation is and what they're going to be thinking and feeling. What's the challenge, you know, Were they a company and suddenly everyone's working from home and they've got all these sort of team issues and and changing all their processes around? You know, just take that into consideration when you're looking at your messaging and like, is this this going to come across in the right way and being helpful or is it going to come across in the wrong way? And I think at this time as well, it's definitely a good idea, but I actually believe this anyway, like regardless of our situation, but you know, try to lead with value, come from a place of serving and of how you can help them as opposed to how they can help you by buying, the, you know, your service. This is a big switch around, I think, from what I would call the old school marketing or old school selling that we would have all grown up with when there wasn't as much choice because, you know, everything wasn't online and there wasn't a million different brands for everything or a million different choices. You know, people could say, here's my product, come and buy it, here's the price. You know, now it's actually... People want to feel that connection with the business before they buy from them. So instead of just going in their face saying, hey, here's my product, buy it, like, you know, someone turning up at your door as a door-to-door salesman and you think, go away, you're in my space, Um, I don't want to listen to you, you know, you, you kind of try to get them to connect with you on a different level. So 
you know, maybe you're giving them a tip of something that you know that they would find useful or a way that you can serve and connect first before you're offering that product for sale because they will come to buy from you if they know you, they like you and they trust you. Just some people will go through that really quickly. Other people, it might take some more time. And that's why it's important to have, you know, a really good marketing strategy in place where you know that you need to take people through those stages before they're ready to buy. Yeah. And leading with value, I love that the intention is to provide value rather than just to make a sale. Yeah. I think that it's important to have the right intention when you're doing that as well. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Jess. Can you let everyone know where they can connect with you online? Yeah, sure. So my website is jessicaosborne.com, which is spelled O-S-B-O-R-N, no E on the end. (laughs) Sorry, that's my website. And um, I am on Facebook as well. My business is my name again, so you'll find me under Jessica Osborne. It says Marketing and Business Coach. And on Instagram, jessica.osborne is my handle. So any one of those or on LinkedIn, if you're a LinkedIn person, I am there as well. Um, Jessica A. Osborne is my LinkedIn address. So yeah, I'd love to connect with anybody. Um, I do share heaps of content, you know, videos. I write blogs with loads of, you know, tips and information that can help anyone who's sort of just looking for a bit of DIY advice. And there's a few free templates that you can download on my website as well. So um, yeah, after you've done your ideal customer, then you could get into the um, irresistible lead magnet training. I've got a free training available right now that it will be a paid training in the future, but I've put it out there for for now because I know that lots of people are suddenly thinking, well, I need to market online. And obviously after social media, email is just such a an important part of your marketing process. So getting people onto the email list in the first place is often the biggest hurdle. And I've made that training available right now. It's some um, online training you can get on my website. So connect with me on any of those platforms and you can find it. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Jess. Thank you so much for coming and chatting with me today. Yes. Thank you so much, Katie. Lovely to chat to you too. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you want to connect with Jess, the links are in the show notes. And if you want to connect with me, I would love that. I'm at Griffin underscore on Instagram. And you can also join my free Facebook group, which is called Smart Online Marketing, same name as this podcast. If you would leave a rating and review, I would be ever so grateful and make sure you subscribe so you get notified when the next episode drops. Don't forget also, I know there's a lot of things, but don't forget that if you do want to take me up on that free video review of your Google Ads account, head to sundaydigital.com.au forward slash review and I'll see you there. Thanks.